excited you're here with us on this Christmas morning. And yes, these are red pants, if you were wondering. It's not the lights, okay? Just the way it is. It's the way we roll on Christmas morning, all right? So better than pajamas for me, I will tell you that. So uh, turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah 52. Again, my name's George Olmsted. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I get the privilege of just sharing God's Word with you this morning. But turn to Isaiah 52, kind of place your... Uh, you're gonna, we're going to be there, but we're also going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning and in Matthew 28. There's a few passages we're going to read together. But uh, this morning we are intentionally worshiping together as family, so I understand that. And so uh, feel free. It's okay. Children are going to be noisy. We understand that. Uh, and so let's just worship Him together. I've prayed you've had a wonderful Christmas thus far this morning. It started pretty early at the Olmstead house. I don't know about you, but we have a five-year-old, and so sleep is not important on Christmas morning. Uh, but we started out with the reading of Luke chapter 2, and we were able to, uh, to read uh, what took place on this first Christmas. And then uh, we did some exchanging and opening of gifts, and, and we had a great breakfast on top of that. And so I'm so thankful, though, for this morning. Not every year do we get to celebrate Christmas's, uh, Jesus' birth on Christmas morning here at the church. I am so excited uh, that we get to do that this morning. Well, just a few seconds ago, we sang a song entitled, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I'm not going to sing it for you again, but the lyrics are on the screen. It just it, to remind you, while shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy night. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, what? That Jesus Christ is born. What happened there? The shepherds feared and they trembled when lo, above the earth rang out the angel chorus that held our Savior's birth. And down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Listen, we have the privilege to proclaim that the Savior has been born. But not only has He been born, but He's accomplished His purpose and His mission, and He is now at the right hand of the Father waiting for you and I. What an amazing story that we find in Luke 2. But before we get into that, do you know where? Go tell on the mountain where it was written, where it came from. Here's a pretty cool behind the story. I think it's always interesting to know kind of where the song came from. But not long, long after the Civil War, John Wesley Work, an African-American church choir uh, director and scholar in Nashville, Tennessee, he, he realized that the rising generation of African-American Southerners might best understand the importance of spirituality by learning the songs their ancestors sang during their days of slavery. In Works Church Choir, there were several members of the Fisk Jubilee Singers from the nearby college of the same name. And here's what happened. Work introduced the music to them, and the singers carried it to the world through uplifting arrangements of African-American spirituals. And then during the era when few African-Americans were able to travel more than a few miles from their birthplace, here's what happened. The Fisk Jubilee Singers, they toured the world appearing in England before Queen Victoria and at the White House, uh, uh, at the White House of, of President uh, Arthur. And the music revealed a passion for life and living that people had expected from a recently enslaved population. They became a monumental force in broadcasting the musical talents of African Americans. So John Work passed his love of music and history, history to his son, John Wesley Work II. The latter, he became a folk singer, a composer, a collector of African-American spirituals, and eventually a professor of history and Latin at Fisk College. 
His wife was the music teacher for the Jubilee Singers, along with the Works brothers, Frederick. This second generation of Works saved a huge number of African-American folk songs from being lost or forgotten. There were always going to be some debate over uh, who first uncovered the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, but Frederick Work was one of the first to note the song's power. The song had come from the fields of the South, born from the inspiration of a slave's Christmas, and it was unique in that of the hundred African-American spirituals the Work family saved from extinction, few had been written about Christmas. But most of the spirituals had centered on earthly pain and suffering and the joy and the happiness that only heaven seemed to offer. And Go Tell It on the Mountain was a triumphant piece that embraced the wonder of lowly shepherds touched by God at the very first Christmas. So not wanting to change the dramatic impact of the song's lyrics, John II and Frederick set them intact. And the brothers rearranged the music into an anthem-like structure that would suit choirs such as the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And in 1880, the song became a showpiece in the group's repertoire. What a cool story. A piece of history born out of a a sad time, a time that we uh, don't really want to focus on, but we understand this. We understand that in those lowly moments, those moments of, of, of suffering, that go tell it on the mountain was written out of a heart to worship God. This hymn is such a glorious hymn pronouncing the arrival of the Savior to the world. So this morning I want to take a look at just a few passages. It gives us a kind of a scriptural foundation of this song. And as Todd said, it's not just a song we sing at Christmas. It's an evangelistic anthem to go and to tell that Christ has been born. So the first thing is I'm going to ask my wife Sarah and Gabrielle to come, and they're going to read a piece of Scripture for me. We want to kind of keep it family reading. We want to have Scripture read this morning. So uh, we're going to see if they're going to make their way up here. They're coming. All right. The first passage is Isaiah 52, 7, if you want to follow along with us on the screen or in your Bible as well. All right, Isaiah 52, 7. How How beautiful. There we go. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Amen. Thank you all for doing that this morning. And, you know, that passage is so important. How delightful on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings the good news. What is the good news this morning? The good news is God sent His Son. The Son of God left heaven to do what? To dwell among His creation. The good news is what is known as the gospel. It's the story told by God through His written word that the Messiah, Jesus, would come and rescue men from their sin. In just a moment, we're going to speak of why mankind needed Jesus as a Savior. But I want to focus on this verse for a second. How delightful on the mountains are the feet of the one who brings the good news. Do we understand what a privilege it is to be able to speak of our Savior? To think that the Lord would use us to proclaim the good news. That is a delight for you and for me. 
You know, we see the progression from Isaiah's prophetic voice, prophetic voice to, to Nahum's a hundred years later when he proclaims the good news of salvation for Judah when he says in Nahum 1.15, Behold on the mountains the feet of him who bring good news, who announces peace. But then we see that a thousand years later when we look through the Scriptures, Paul describes the messenger of the good news when he writes in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, How then are they to call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. This Christmas morning, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're reminded as, as the angels proclaimed, I bring you good news of great joy that you and I are to proclaim this same good news. Not only that the Savior has been born, as I stated earlier, but the Savior accomplished what He came to do. We're told in the Scriptures that He came to seek and to save those who are lost. And when we think about what Jesus did as He accomplished His mission... We want to understand that as we share the good news, that Isaiah gives us instruction on bringing that good news with a very specific attitude. Listen, because we've received the good news, we've heard it, we've received it, it doesn't make us better than anyone else. Instead, it makes us just a saved sinner by the grace of God. And it allows us to enter in a a humble state to say, God, You saved even a wretch like me. Why? I don't know, but you did. And I want to proclaim that with an attitude, as Isaiah tells us here, the first thing, an attitude that announces peace. An attitude that announces peace. The gospel is the only hope of peace we have. Would you agree with that this morning? That's the only hope we have. We are to share that gospel with peace. Peace. We we know it brings peace among those who love the Lord. That's what the good news does. It intertwines us as brothers and sisters in Christ when we accept the good news, when we're saved. It brings peace among us. But you know, at the end of the day, we know that ultimate peace, supreme peace, will not reign here on this earth until when? Until Christ returns returns. But that doesn't change the fact that we need to come across in pronouncing the proclamation of the good news. It doesn't mean we need to come off as pious or that we're better and we know more or with even an angry tone, but instead a sharing of what God has done for us by sending Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It brings that peace. But here's also a next opportunity that when we look as as we announce peace, the good news isn't always received well, but in sharing in the good news, our hope is to help others understand the peace that comes with knowing the Savior. We're to share the good news so that peace may abound. Therefore, our attitude in sharing should also be peaceful. But we also need this, that we are to bring good news of happiness, according to Isaiah 52, 7. We are to have a joyful attitude in bringing the good news. We are to exclaim it from, what does the song say? From the mountaintop. We are to tell of how God has changed us. 
I don't want you all to know, when I speak, and I want you to know, it's infectious. I see it here when, when others share their testimony. It, it, it happens. I love when Pastor Grant shares his testimony. There's a, there was a moment that God changed him, and you speak to that all the time. And it, it was a dramatic, drastic, only God type of change. I feel the same way when I share my testimony, a, a totally different story. But one where I realized that God was calling me unto him. And to be able to repent of the sin, to place my faith and trust in him. There is such a joy and excitement when I share that. Like, I can't be contained. It's almost like, calm down a little bit. No! I want others to know that there is a joy that lives within me. And a joy that lives within those who have been saved that is different than any other happiness this world knows. We want to not only uh, bring out that attitude of happiness, but we also want to announce salvation we are to bring the news of salvation. Salvation from our separation from God our Creator. We are to bring the news of salvation from our sin. And we are to take that good news to everyone. Listen, when we announce God's salvation, we are wrapping up Isaiah 52.7's proclamation into one thought. Our God reigns. Where God reigns, peace reigns. Where God reigns, happiness and joy reign. Where God reigns, salvation reigns. We are to proclaim the good news, the gospel. What I want to do next is enter into a time where we look at the picture of the good news. I'm going to ask Drew to come and read very quickly Luke 2, 8 through 20. You have to be very quickly. I'd actually like you to read where you can be understood. So that would be good. All right. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good, no- good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. I don't know what, there we go, awesome, my bad, sorry about that. In Luke chapter 2, the picture of the good news is played out in real time. I mean... I don't know. I love living where in the in the century that I live in. I, I love all the uh, amenities and the perks of living in the United States at this time. But there are times that would you not like to have experienced just a little bit of what took place in the Bible times? I mean, think about this. You have shepherds on a hill just kind of chilling out watching their shepherds and watching their shepherds watching their sheep. And what happens? Out of nowhere, an angel angel appears. And when we see that, we understand that there's this picture that's taking place. 
that God is announcing that His Son, the promised Messiah, has come. When we think about this picture of the good news, I thought it would be great just to point out three words that are involved in the receiving of the good news. The first word is faith. Faith. When we read of Luke chapter 2, and we know the story as uh, Ryan read in Matthew chapter 1, there was a lot of faith moments in the story of the good news. Leading up to this place of the Christ child being born. But the faith that Mary places in the Lord throughout this story to me is an amazing faith. A young girl engaged, finds herself with child by the Holy Spirit. A scary time, a frightful time, a time of unknown, a time of ridicule, a time of mocking. Yet she carries out her faith in the Lord. And once Jesus is born, Luke gives us some insight as she says she treasured what had happened and pondered them in her heart. To have faith is say, God, I don't know what's going on, but you chose me and we're going to do this thing. And to have Jesus born. And for her to look back and think of all that take, took place really allows us to see how her faith would be lived out in the remainder of her life as well. See, faith isn't just a once-in-a-moment aspect of the Christian life. There's the faith moment of salvation. There's the faith moment of the sanctification. And on this Christmas morning, Mary was able to look back and see how God had given her that faith and allowed her to live it out, but she also was pondering, pondering, I wonder if she thought, what does the future hold? And I wonder if she thought there's going to be a lot more faith moments as we walk this life here on this earth. So there's faith. That's an aspect of the good news if you're going to receive it. But there's also trust. Trust. You know, when we think of Joseph, what happened with Joseph? He had to place his trust in the Lord as well. A young man engaged finds his fiancée with child ready to put her away, but he's visited by the angel and told to trust the Lord. Again, he's going to face ridicule. He's going to be shamed. Yet in this moment, he trusts the Lord to carry out the engagement, to love Mary just as she is. And then we find him there at the manger looking upon Baby Jesus. The one who was promised. The one who was asked to say, listen, I need you to trust me as we carry this out. Trust. When it comes to the good news, it takes faith. It takes trust. But faith and trust in what? And as we look at Luke chapter 2, we have Mary who lived out faith. Joseph who lived out trust. But they were placing their faith and trust in whom? They were placing their faith and trust in the truth. And the truth was lying in that manger. How do we know that this baby was the truth? Because he grows up and he proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. What a moment of grace. Faith, 
trust, and truth. What are we proclaiming this morning? Are we just proclaiming that a promised baby was born and we get to open presents and all that? No. We are proclaiming the good news, the gospel, the salvation that God has provided for mankind who is lost and separated from Him. So this morning, as we finish this point, many people have placed their hope in many false truths. However, I can tell you this morning, we celebrate the birth of a Savior who was promised and sent by the Father. We celebrate the birth of the Savior who would grow up and carry out His earthly purpose to take upon Himself the sins of the world, to be crucified, to be buried, and to raise again three days later. This is the truth. For those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Him, we've done that and placed Him as our Savior. So we have the privilege to proclaim the good news to those around us. To encourage them to receive the good news so they too may experience God's saving grace. When we see the picture of the nativity, faith, trust, and truth all wrapped together. So how do we close this morning? I want to challenge us to practice the proclamation of the good news. Listen, Jesus has already been born. That happened over 2,000 years ago. His ministry and His mission has been completed. So what does it mean for the believer today? We celebrate the birth because we know the hope that it brought forth that would bring salvation to mankind. So let us practice the proclamation of the good news. Dad, why don't you come and read us our last piece of Scripture this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It's on your screens or on your, you can open to your Bible. That is. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, son. His voice is getting a little deeper. Here's the thing. On this Christmas morning, we've been asked to proclaim the good news. We've seen the picture of the good news there at the Nativity. But we also are asked, not only asked, we're commanded to practice the sharing of the good news. Listen, Christmas is an amazing opportunity to share the gospel story. And how selfish of us if we were just to keep that good news within ourselves. I'm so thankful that God does all the work in the saving. But that He allows us to live out the salvation that He's provided. So what do we do to practice this proclamation of the good news? It's very simple. You've heard it many times, but let this be a reminder. We need to go. We need to go. Go and do what, Pastor? Go and proclaim the good news of the gospel. We have the scriptures that help us explain it. We have the salvation experience that God has given us to, uh, to share with others how He's changed us and molded us and how He's continuously doing so. But He says to go and to make disciples. Church, this is where we get to play the part. We go, we share the good news. Preferably those who we share the good news with receive the gospel and are saved. 
And then they come and they're discipled. Disciples of who? Disciples of Grant? Disciples of George? No, disciples of Christ. The child that we are celebrating being born today. Go, make disciples, baptize. I'm so thankful that we are a church that has baptismal waters stirred very frequently. You realize there's, there's, there's churches that don't get to experience that for many years in between? So I love the fact that we're at a place where we get to experience folks publicly professing what Christ had done for them, proclaiming the good news through that. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. This morning, let's not miss the purpose. Maybe your morning was rushed. Maybe it was smooth. But let's not miss this day. To teach those around us about the purpose of Christmas. Teach your children. Make them sit through the readings of the Scriptures. Explain to them the Scriptures. Do that at your family gatherings today. I don't want to be the awkward person bringing up Jesus. Well, it's Christmas. You get a free pass today. And you know the best way you can bring it up is you don't even have to have the words. You can just simply read any of the scriptures that we read today. This morning, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and we are reminded to put into practice the proclamation of the good news, Jesus Christ is not only born, but He carried out His purpose to provide salvation to those who will believe. Our God reigns. Then, now, and forever. Will we be a congregation that does this, that we go and we tell? Let us pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity just to expound upon your word. And and Lord, we know this morning it looked a little different. But God, we know this, the truth has been told. That Jesus, when you laid in that manger, that you were God with us. Lord, that as you carried on your earthly ministry. Lord, you carried out in a way that there would be hope and peace for mankind. And then, Lord, as you wait to return, Lord, it's my prayer that your church will be a church that goes and tells of the good news. This morning, Lord, there may be someone for the first time who heard the truth of the gospel and that you are the truth. We ask that they would simply confess their sin, place their faith and trust in you, and make you Lord today. God, we thank you for this merry, merry Christmas. We love you, Jesus. Amen.